This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 79, The Hidden Problems of Living Too Long. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious. Be stable. Be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Uh, Mark Willis here in the studio today. And also with me today is my co-host, Holly Bach. Welcome, Holly. Hello. So uh, one of the things that we bring up with our clients and that we believe we hear from our clients is, hey, Mark, hey, Holly, uh, we love what you do here on this show. We love the uh, content and the strategies you bring. But really, it's it's about us. And I'm like, that's fine. It is all about them, isn't it? It's all about the, our clients. And they, they often bring up something like this. They say, you know, um, we just want to hit our fill-in-the-blank financial milestone. We want to pay for our kids' college. We want to retire, you know, and reach our financial goal without taking all this unnecessary risk. And that's that's really what brings them to our, our, our table and to our conversations and to our calendars. So, you know, I guess it sort of all comes down to what is a necessary risk and what's unnecessary. You know, if, if their goal is to reach their financial milestones without taking a bunch of unnecessary risks, well, then let's figure it out. You know, I don't want to unnecessarily risk uh, driving home today, so I'm going to stay away from that cliff over there. <laughs> and, you know, if, I'm, if my goal is to reach my financial milestones, without you know, taking a bunch of unnecessary risks, I need to know what those risks are, right? Mm-hmm. So we wanted to spend this episode getting a little deeper into what are the risks uh, with, uh, with our financial life. Uh, just like you might want to diversify your stock portfolio to protect against a single stock dropping in value, you might also want maybe a side hustle just in case your day job turns south and you're let go. You know, some would say that the riskiest kind of income you could have uh, is to start a business, but I would say it's even riskier to keep all your income with one customer like your boss, right? If you're an employee with one paycheck. So uh, we all manage risks all the time. You know, when a scuba diver prepares to explore, say, a subterranean cave or a pirate ship, you know, the first thing uh, he or she would want to do to be smart about it would be to send down a video camera or a sonar to see what kind of cave he or she's looking at exploring. That's called you know, managing risk, you know, not taking unnecessary risks. If there's like 10,000 sharks down there, you might want to wait an hour, you know. Uh, in the 1990s, there were these things, Holly, uh, there were these things called malls. I don't know if you remember any of those, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. But uh, you find that, you know, when you when you would first walk into this, you know, uh, this mausoleum called a mall, uh, you'd, you'd walk in and there would probably be some sort of a map and directory to show you where all the stores were. And most importantly, it would show you uh, you are here. There'd be a little sticker that shows you where you are. So that's the best way to kind of look and see, all right, well, where do I need to go from here? Uh, so similarly, when you get on the highway, it's so crazy to me that we live in the future now that we have a space receiver in our pocket. We literally have a space receiver in our pocket called a smartphone. GPS, of course, reaches up to the satellites and the stars. And so before I get on the highway, I'm going to check to see if there's like a massive traffic jam. And I'm going to avoid that unnecessary risk of getting into that line, uh, that uh, parking lot on the highway and take another road instead. That's managing the risk that I'll be heading in the wrong direction or landing in that traffic jam. Um, So yeah, Holly, give us some feedback on this. 
Yeah, so Wall Street you know, would have us believe that if we just simply diversify our portfolio of stocks and bonds, that should be sufficient you know, when it comes to risk mitigation. I mean, once again, Wall Street has their interest in mind, not yours. There are so many other kinds of risk than simply stock market volatility. In fact, FINRA uh, themselves count as many as 21 categories of risk. We'll be looking at a lot of these different categories in our episode today. And FINRA is uh, the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority. So they're kind of like, you know, the the watchdogs on how people's money is doing, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're saying that they have not just one kind of risk, like stock markets, but 21 categories of risk. Phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, looking at various sources of income, you know, way way beyond your day job, uh, that can help you create a protected income both now and into retirement. So that could be, you know, important to you and something that we'll be talking about here today. Um, It's important to know that all the kinds of risks that we are exposed to so that we can build a portfolio of protection and growth to help us, you know, survive and thrive in any economy, kind of like we talked about uh, last episode too. Mm, Right. So, you know, it's, I guess, important to start right from the beginning and say that there are really two types of risk. There's the pure risk and then there's speculative risk. So when we're talking about unnecessary risk, you know, we're kind of looking at both of those, but let me explain what each of them means first. Pure loss is either loss or no loss. There's literally no chance of gain. So that is an unnecessary risk. I don't need to expose myself to pure loss. You know, an example of pure risk uh, is the risk of my car sitting out in the parking lot. It's either gonna be destroyed by a meteor I love my weird examples here. Uh, (laughs) Or it's totally fine and it's not destroyed, okay? So it's either destroyed or it's not destroyed. Now, if I had my car destroyed by a meteor, I would straight up totally Instagram that, Holly. That would be so cool. Uh, Only person I know would probably be happy about it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Find that lemonade in the lemons. Um, It would be super cool to have my car destroyed by a meteor. I would totally take a picture of that, but it would still be a pure risk, all right? There's no chance that my car will suddenly speculate and accumulate $10,000 in my backseat. There's no speculative gain to be had. It's just risk or no risk. Okay, so that's pure risk. Speculative risk, on the other hand, gives us the possibility of gain over and above the possibility of loss. Otherwise, nobody would ever speculate if it was only gonna be loss. Right. Okay. What's yep. uh, maybe another kind of risk that's out there on purchasing? Yeah, another kind of risk is known as purchasing power risk. So anytime you put money into something today, you have, in effect, locked that money up and you're risking the fact that inflation, currency rates, interest rates, and all the other rates will not be as high as the earning potential of whatever you put your money into. It's what we mean when we say a dollar today is worth more than a dollar in the future. So this risk actually also includes the consumption assumption, if you guys have heard about that. Um, You may have heard that you need 80% of your current income to sustain your lifestyle in retirement. But the reality is many people spend more. I mean, it makes sense when you're working, you are working five days of the week, you're tied up 40 hours plus a week. So, but then when the weekend comes, it's when we spend all of our money. Well, retirement 
is a prolonged weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's a never-ending weekend. Wow. So if you make it sound so nice. Yeah. I like it. I know. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> but <laughs> when you, you know, if you think about it in those terms, though, about the amount of money you'd spend, and you might, you guys might have even experienced this just with a day off. You know, mm-hmm. how much more money do you spend when you just have a day off in the week? You're like, oh, wow, I went shopping or I did this. You know, I was online. I was on my computer and I, you know, bought those things off Facebook that I shouldn't have, yeah. you know. It's Black and, Friday and I burned through my 401k. Exactly. 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 So think about having that be your day every day. Is 80% of what you were spending when you were working majority of your week? Um, Well, maybe not. That's the consumption assumption you're talking about. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. So if your income strategy is based on the assumption, you know, kind of the conservative or is based on a conservative assumption, you could find that your standard of living in retirement is less than what you'd hoped for. Um, Also, the cost of consumer goods and services will likely increase over the next 20 to 30 years as well during your retirement. So unfortunately, this can be even worse with things like health insurance, um, which rises at double the rate of inflation. Health insurance premiums have risen over 213%. Wow. 213%. From 1999 to 2016. I mean, that's like, that is no time at all. That's less than 20 years. Wow. That it's, you know, risen 213%. Um, compared to just 4% increase in the cost of consumer goods like groceries. So, I mean, definitely different things that can be rising at different rates as well. So this combined with the fact that you might need more health care in retirement means that your savings will erode much faster than you expect. So, I mean, what are you going to potentially be needing more of in retirement? Are you going to be needing more groceries? Are you going to all of a sudden start eating more? <laughs> or are you going to need more health care, wow. you know, yeah. in your older older years? And when that's what's rate or rising, you know, at the cost of it going up so much faster, then... You know, yep. that's also another another risk that you're exposed to. So huge. It's so huge what you're saying there, Holly. I mean, the power of what you just said flies in the face of average financial advice, which is we're all going to be spending less and, and therefore we can all afford to defer our taxes into 401ks and IRAs uh, since we won't be spending as much. Well, really, I haven't seen that play out in, in many and maybe almost all of the clients that I've met in retirement are at the same level or higher rate of spending and income in retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's an important factor that you just brought up. Healthcare alone uh, might be the biggest source of expense in your budget, in your future. Yeah. Um, okay, so another kind of risk is known as market risk. It's also known as systemic risk. And this is the problem with systemic risk or market risk is that you really can't get away from it if you're gonna be in the market at all. It's not like one stock is you know avoiding all the rest of the market. Uh, even even though Wall Street would have you believe that if you just spread your money out through diversification, you'd be protected. But you know, think of it this way: if your if your money is in uh, all these different stocks and mutual funds, but they're all riding the same market, uh, that didn't really help you. Uh, as we've said before, if all of your eggs are in twelve different baskets, but they're all on the same truck when it goes over the cliff, what good did that do you? Right? So if you own five stocks or 50 stocks, if you own the whole index, like an index fund, if that whole index goes down, you really can't shield yourself from market risk. So that trouble with systemic risk or market risk is that you'll never achieve compound growth, uh, compound growth, because there are negative returns in your portfolio, your sequence of returns. 
you'll never leave the stratosphere if you're being regularly pulled down by market crashes. So it's important to remember that negative returns at any point, whether it's your first year or your 25th year or 40th year in the market is totally unacceptable. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's, I guess, the key nugget to remember here. And if you want to learn more about this, you can find out more about our concepts uh, and what we believe about, say, like the buy and hold uh, myth. And uh, you can also look up episodes 51, 52, and 53, which talks about buy and hold. It talks, and, and we also interview Les Himmel in those three episodes. Yep, yep. So feel free to check those out if you want to hear more about that. Um, another kind of risk is political risk. So tariffs, taxes, defaults on government bonds. I mean, if you're buying securities, you have to realize it's all in a specific political environment. So if you have a 401k, you have political risk in your portfolio, even though you're not necessarily invested in U.S. treasuries, right? There's still a political risk to that because there's a tax risk. So since taxes could go up in the future and a 401k is taxable in the future, that's a risk that you are subject to. Um, even if your Roth I, you know, even your Roth IRA is kind of at a political risk because that could be taxable in the future if Congress decided to just change their mind. Really as simple as that. All Congress has to do is just change their mind. Hmm. Um, you know, see the amount of money that's sitting in Roth IRAs tax free and they say, hey, actually that looks kind of nice. Wouldn't that be nice on our, on our you know, balance sheet instead? Um, and so those are different kinds of political risks that we are all subject to. Doesn't, you know, I mean, really whatever you're invested in, if there's any sort of current existing tax advantage to it, that could be taken away at any time. So it's another one just to keep in mind. Yeah. So in other words, you're saying we'll all meet you there, Holly, in the Cayman Islands, and we'll solve <laughs> the political risk that way. Yeah. Okay, great. Just checking. I mean, no. Yeah, right, right, right. For the record. Uh, sequence of return risk. Sequence of return risks. One of the more arcane sounding of these list of uh, different things that we could be exposed to. Again, we're trying to iron out the unnecessary risks for your financial future. Uh, but most people have never heard of sequence of return risk. Now, what is it? So it's an important, important, maybe one of the most important risks out there. Take a look uh, at the spreadsheet we'll include in our show notes here. And I want to talk through this one in detail for a moment. Uh, so we're looking at two portfolios, uh, really two people who uh, have the same account balance as at the start of their retirement. So Jane and Jim are both age 65, and they're ready to take a look at retiring. And so they, at age 65, both have $500,000 in their individual portfolios, respectively. And so both of them, Jane and Jim, over the next 13 years, both get the exact same return of 3.77%. And each of them takes the exact same amount of income out over the next 13 years, starting at $20,000 a year, and slowly giving themselves a pay raise to keep up with inflation. So you could kind of see that as sort of a way to keep up with the increasing cost of health care and everything else. Uh, we are going to give them some of their uh, money as they drain it out of their portfolio each year. Uh, but what surprises most people is that Jane had negative returns early on in her retirement and by age 81, she only had $74,000 left in her portfolio. I mean, how would you feel? How would you feel, Holly, if, if after just 13 years, your 500 grand had shrunk uh, down to just $74,000 left? Yeah, if I'm 81, I'm probably, and female, I mean, I'm, I'm probably panicking. I have a lot 
I mean, yeah. I have a lot more life to live. Yep. And 74000 is probably not going to get me there. I mean, and if you take a look at this chart that, again, we'll include here, um, even after just three years, her account balance has dropped dramatically from age 65 to 68 down by half. It dropped from 500000 to 257000 That's half of her money just vaporized because of a little bit of income she took out right alongside the down years of the market. Uh, so that's just a powerful double pain when you're taking income out when the market is tanking. All right, so our friend Jim, on the other hand, over the same 13-year period, taking out the exact same income, had a whopping 344000 bucks left in his portfolio. Now, how is that possible? He had the exact same rate of return, exact same amount of income coming out. All we did was flip the returns. It's the sequence of his returns that he received. In fact, uh, for our example here, uh, we took Jane's sequence of returns and just simply flipped them upside down. We reversed the order of the hypothetical rate of return each year, even though they had the exact same average rate of return. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, which, which again is why we, we really even named the podcast here, Not Your Average Financial Podcast, because averages literally mean nothing in terms of your actual experience with your money. In this example, it's the difference of approximately $270,000, the difference between Jane and Jim's portfolio. The bad outcome here uh, shows that the impact of negative returns in your early retirement years, right before you retire and the first five to 10 years after you retire, is crucial to keep protected against uh, when you're getting into retirement, the worst years you can possibly imagine losing all that money. Mm -hmm. And so if you take nothing else away from this example. I mean, if sequence, you know, return risk is over your head, it doesn't make sense to you, that's that's fine. If you take nothing else away from this example, just think about this when you're sitting down perhaps with an advisor and they try and tell you an average rate of return, mm -hmm. okay? Because yep. these people had the exact same average rate of return. However, the difference was astronomical. One person had 74,000 left in their portfolio at 81, whereas Jim had 344,000. Mm, so right. averages, I mean, we've already talked about it. it you know, we've said it a million times, but averages mean nothing. And this case proves that. Right. Because, you know, they can say you're going to get an average of 12% on your mutual funds. Mm. But... <laughs> depending on what order you receive the that in and make it's what's making it average to 12%, that could end up being, I mean, nothing in the end. Yep. So, I mean, we've already talked about that before. We've run the numbers before, but just it's seeing this example, this specific example, someone who's 81, can you afford to be the person with 74,000? No, you can't even really afford to be the person with 344,000 because yep. they still have a lot more life to live too. Mm -hmm. But I mean, definitely better off than, than Jane was in this example. Yeah, so try it out for yourself and we'd be happy to show this to you. You can also check out episode 23, three strategies for becoming a retirement planning expert. But imagine yourself coming down the mountain of retirement and not knowing if there's going to be an earthquake this year or not. Uh, that's kind of how it feels whenever you start to to ride the market down. Again, 85% of deaths are coming down Mount Everest, not ascending it. That's mm. where the real power uh, and, and risk comes into play. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, there are tons of other risks out there. Uh, we could go into some of those categories. We just don't have time to get into all of them today. But, you know, 
Holly, what about the example of the risk of long-term care insurance to your savings? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, your IRAs, your 401ks have um, a, a claim on them if you need nursing home care. Those automatically get put toward the nursing home. You might think you'd be leaving that to your spouse or to your children, but if you need to be admitted because of a diagnosis, all of a sudden that money is now allocated by law to the nursing home that's going to be caring for you. Mm-hmm. You might not have a say in it, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, that cost might be $250,000 for folks. All right. So there's another risk, too. What about the risk of elder fraud in your senior years? Uh, one of my heroes, Stan Lee, apparently had some exposure to elder fraud, you know, even with his own family members. Uh, so it's so it's said. Uh, what about the death of a spouse leaving you with a uh, pay cut in your Social Security income? And of course, the emotional pain and expense that would come along with that. I know a lot of folks that come to us because their spouse passed away and their income was cut by 60% after their mm-hmm. you know, uh, Social Security dropped. Yep. Or what about if you need to work part-time in your retirement and they maybe lay you off because of age or health? Yeah. Or, or what about home repairs and medical emergencies? I mean, all of these things keep happening and sometimes even increase with age if you need to install like, you know, wheelchair access and so forth. Uh, mm-hmm. So those are all risks that come with your retirement years. Any thoughts on those, Holly? Yeah, no, I think it's important for people to think about some of these. And, um, you know, like you were talking about with the long-term care, I think that's a big one that people like to ignore is perhaps the right word for it. Not or dismiss. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like not, I don't, I don't think that people don't necessarily think or I don't know. I, it's interesting when you talk to people about long-term care, because a lot of times people are like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And it's like, well, you're yeah. fine today. Just put me on an iceberg <laughs> and float me out into the ocean. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, I'm not worried about that. It's like, but do you realize what that can cost? You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have the proper savings, um, you know, in place. I mean, this and this is this is an average. I mean, $250,000. That's not chump change yeah. <laughs> to most people. Yep. So do you, you know, do you have that set aside? Are you prepared for that to be what long-term care costs you? And and that's not even necessarily saying that you have to be sick for 15 years of your retirement years. I mean, that's not the case. Most um, long-term care expenses are just in a matter of three years. That's right. You mm-hmm. know, so it's yep. like people are, are only needing it for like typically like the last or so Mm -hmm. yeah but like the last three years of their life Mm -hmm. so yeah you can be going along just fine for a really long time but then let's just say you know 95 hits and then you know you have to you have to start doing that two hundred fifty thousand dollars can rack up in just a matter of three years Mm -hmm. um with something like that so um i definitely think it's something people need to be thinking about and preparing for um because if it's not prepared for it can just be it can be devastating to um, not only you but your family um, because sometimes that will get passed on to them Mm -hmm. yeah and you know we we again we're not here to fear monger or bring up things that are unnecessary we're bringing up the uh, unavoidable risks and how can we steer clear of those cliffs of insanity uh, and keep you on your path toward reaching your financial goals and objectives without taking a bunch of unnecessary risks? You know, mm-hmm. if I've got the choice of taking the unnecessary route across the, uh, the, the, the wooden bridge that might break or taking the steel bridge that's nice and secure, I'll take the, the latter, um, you know, when it's unnecessary for me to take the, the rickety old bridge. 
uh, mm-hmm. across the chasm. So which of these risks that we've listed out, Holly, is the most important one? Is there one that we feel like is, you know, if we could just list one, uh, what, which one maybe exposes us to the rest of them? Yeah, so I think when it, I mean, if we had to pick one risk as being the most important or maybe the most crucial um, is, like you said, Mark, the risk that is going to expose us to all of these other risks longer. And so that's the risk of living, the risk of living too long. And that definitely sounds like a downer for sure. But I mean, really, the reality is the longer you live, the more you are the more you're exposed, the longer you're exposed to every other kind of risk that we just talked about. So the longer you're alive, the longer any of these other risks are going to be at play in your Mm, life. And yeah, yeah, that is really heavy. It is really heavy. We don't mean that to be depressing, but um, just just to think about that, the the risk of living too long. So therefore, the most important risk to protect, protect against is that risk of living too long. So that is where... Um, we are going to be kind of launching into another little mini series here in the coming episodes um, where we want to talk about how to protect yourself against the risk of living too long that can then help you with all the other risks that you're going to be exposed to mm-hmm. longer, if that yep. makes sense. So that is where this idea of having protected income in retirement kind of comes into play. And so that's why we are such big believers of protective income that can provide a measure of insurance against your living beyond your money. So what if you could create a passive income stream, as we've been talking about, that even if you ran out of money, you would never run out of income? How do I drop the mic in here? That was awesome. Say that, <laughs> say that question again, Holly. Yeah. So what if you could create a passive income stream that even if you ran out of money, you would never run out of income? And so that's what we want to talk about, because if you can have a protected income like that, well, you're going to be in a much better place to be able to uh, face that risk of long-term care or face that risk of market volatility, you know, whatever those other risks are. And so um, we're going to be talking about that more in not only our next episode, but our next couple episodes. So definitely stay tuned. And we're looking forward to sharing that with you all. So thank you for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.